And I'll just name them later. Oh, oh there you go. You need to make your books here. If you guys have a device or something and you get the, the God's Word, we're going to be in Hebrews 3 and 4 to begin with. So I invite you to look there if you'd like. Um, we're going to be talking about rest. We're going to start with Jesus. We're going to go into some historical background, and then we'll come back to Jesus. So this <clears throat> starts out, Jesus, our high priest. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. He was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses was in all his house. For he had been counted worthy of more glory than Moses by just so much as the builder of the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken later. But Christ was faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are. If, you hold fast our, if we hold fast our confidence in the boast of our hope firm until the end. Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me, as in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tried me by testing me and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with this generation and said, they will always go astray in their heart, and they do not know my ways. As I swore in my wrath, I shall, they shall not enter my rest. <clears throat> Take care, brethren, that there are not be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. While it is said, today if you hear his voice, <clears throat> do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me. For who provoked him when they had heard? Indeed, did not all those who came out of Egypt, led by Moses, and with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned? whose bodies fell in the wilderness. And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were not able to enter his rest because of unbelief. Let's just stop and pray for a minute. Lord, we thank you for your word and that your Holy Spirit gave your word to teach us and train us and to give us life. And we just pray that. We will receive that this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. I just we're going to go on to uh, chapter four. Therefore, let us fear if, while a promise remains of entering His rest, any of you may seem to come short of it. You know, I've been thinking about this passage for a long time, and I've been wondering if, in our North American setting, there isn't some people who are not enjoying the rest of God, who are 
living intention. Uh, and it's something my heart's been burdened with. So this passage has always intrigued me, and we're going to explore the historical background of it and come to a conclusion about what it means to be walking in rest with God. So, <clears throat> therefore, let us fear if, if, while a promise remains to enter his rest, any of you may seem to have come short of it. For indeed we have good news preached to us, just as they, but the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. For we who have believed enter that rest, just as he said, I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has said somewhere concerning the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this passage, they shall not enter my rest. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly had good news preached to them failed to enter because of disobedience, he again fixes a certain day, today, saying through David after so long a time, just as he had said before, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. So I'm just going to re repeat verse 9 and 10. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. There's a completion in the works of God. There is a finality. There's a, there's, it's done. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will fall through following the same example of disobedience. Now, I just have to throw in here that those people were pardoned. But they did, their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. And they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. God did pardon them. It says that. We'll read that. But they died in the wilderness. They didn't enter into the promise that God had for them. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to deal. Um, so, for and skipping to verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. And that's where we're going to find rest. Now we're going to go to Numbers chapter 13. This is a lot of reading, but this is this message is in the Word of God. And the Word of God is powerful. So we are going to read chapter 13 and, and most of 14, actually. Numbers 13, 
<clears throat> this is, you guys know this history, and Brian reminded me yesterday, said, didn't they just come out of Egypt? Didn't they just see the ten plagues? Didn't they just have all these wonderful things happen to them? Yes, they did. This is where it's at in history. They were freed from slavery, 400 years of slavery. God promised them a new land, and they got there. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send out for yourself men so that they may spy out the land of Canaan, which I am going to give. They might spy out the land of Canaan, which I am going to give. You know, there's so much that God has for us. And he promised to give this to the people of Israel. You know, um, I'm learning to speak Indonesian. And when they say thank you, they say terima kasih. And I was like, I kept seeing that word terima. I mean, arima. It is in different forms. And I thought, what is that? I looked it up and it says terima means receive. Thanks. And I thought, I don't know if they think about that every time they say it, you know. But isn't that wonderful? I mean, it's like receive it. God wants to give this to the land, to the people of Israel, right? He's going to give it to them. All I have to do is receive it. So, <clears throat> I am going to give to the sons of Israel. You shall send a man from each of their families, tribes, every one a leader among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran at the commandment of the Lord. All of the men, them men, all of the men who were heads of the sons of Israel. And then, these then are their names. They give the names of all these guys. This is the Hall of Shame. <laughs> now notice these popular names here. The names we use all the time to name our sons, right? From the tribe of Simeon, Shaphat, son of Hori. From the tribe of Judah, Caleb, son of Jonah. Now, there's a name I remember. Shaphat, I don't know too many Shaphats. And so he goes on to name all of these guys, including Geuel and all these famous names, and Joshua, whose name is Hoshea, but Moses called him Joshua. Now we're down at verse 17. When Moses sent them out to spy the land of Canaan, he said to them, Go up into the Negev, then go up into the hill country. See what the land is like, and whether the people who live in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many. How is the land in which they live? Is it good or bad? And how are the cities in which they live? Are they open camps or with fortifications? How is the land? Is it fat or lean? Are there trees in it or not? Make an effort then to get some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rehob to Rehob as far as Lebo Hamath. When they had gone into the Negev, they came to Hebron where Ahinamon, Shashua, and Talmai and the descendants of Anak were. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Israel. I'm tempted to go aside here a little bit to say 
These are real people with real names. These are real places. These are real times when real things have been established. That's an important point in our worldview. Then they came to the Valley of Eshcol, and from there they cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes, and they carried it on a pole between two men and some of the pomegranates and the figs. That place was called the Valley of Eshcol because of the cluster which the sons of Israel cut down from there. When they returned from spying out the land, at the end of 40 days, they proceeded to come to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation and the sons of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Thus they, said, thus they told him and said, we, must, we went into the land where you sent us, and it certainly does flow with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong, and their cities are fortified and very large, and moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Amalek is living in the land of the Negev, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites are in the hill country, and the Canaanites are living by the sea, by the side of the Jordan. Then Jake, uh, Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, we shall by all means go up and take possession of it, for we will surely overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are too strong for us. So they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone in spying it out is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great size. Therefore we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, in part are part of the Nephilim. Those are the guys with six fingers. And we became like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Then all the people of the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation and said to them, We would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we have died in the wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become plunder. Would it not be better us for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, Let us appoint a leader and return to Egypt. To the suffering, to the pain, to the slavery that they knew, which was more comfortable for them than the promise and the blessing of God that was unknown. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces in the presence of all the assembly, of all the congregation of the sons of Israel. Joshua said to the, Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephthah, <clears throat> of those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. They, they weren't uh, close to any Walmart. Uh, their clothing, you know was a little different than we think of our clothing today. 
And of course, many of you know, who have studied the Bible, when people tear their clothes, it means they're in a great deal of anguish. Because you're not just going to rip up that piece of clothing because you only have so much in your lifetime clothes and you don't run down to Walmart and get a new shirt. They were grieved. And they spoke to the congregation and the sons of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord is pleased with us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they will be our prey. Their protection has been removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear. Do not fear them. But all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Then the, then the glory of the Lord appeared in the tent of Moses to all the people of Israel. Moses pled for the people, and they were pardoned. They suffered the consequences of their unbelief, however. The ten guys died the next day. Everybody from 20 years old and up died in the wilderness wilderness in the next 40 years. Surely all the men who have seen my glory and my signs which I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness yet have put me to the test these ten times and have not listened to my voice shall by no means see the land which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of them who spurned me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has had a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land which he entered, and his descendants shall take possession of it. Caleb got the land with the giants, where the sons of Anak were. He said, this is where I want to live. I want the the scariest part. And uh, he got it 40 years later. Now I want to go to a life verse. This is a life verse for a lot of people. Matthew chapter 11. Oops. old people and telephones. But it's still easier than, you know, turning the pages, so. Matthew chapter 11. Um, We're going to start around 25 or so. Jesus is praying to his father at 25 And he says, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligence and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for this was well-pleasing in your sight. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. Nor does anyone know the Father except for the Son. Exclusive relationship. Oh, and anyone. Anyone 
to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Next words. Come to me. Open invitation. Who does the Son will to reveal the Father? Come to me, all. All who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The thing that was finished before the foundation of the earth is establishment of this peace with God, this rest that's possible. In Hebrews it says, those who have entered the rest have ceased from their own works as God rested from his. This is a wonderful wonderful promise of God to have rest. It goes beyond a day. It's a life. And it's a tragedy to walk away from. The rest that God promises. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And here is the step of faith. Life with God is a relationship. God's a trinity. He made us to dwell together. Being a Christian, following Jesus, being with Jesus is a relationship. Rest does not mean cessation of activity. It means union with God. Rest is a life. Rest is part of the abundant life that Jesus offered, and that is not a house with a two-car garage, your mortgage paid off, and a boat to go to the lake. That's not what we're talking about when we say abundant life. We're talking about real life from God, which is so much more than a house and a two-car garage. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We're at the edge of the land. What's the step we have to take where all the giants are? Take my yoke upon you. And learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will receive rest. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, what's the yoke? Daniel, Daniel was uh, blessing us last week with a little bit of the yoke of Jesus. Love your enemies. Do not resist an evil person. You know, go beyond paganism. That's what he's saying here. Even the pagans do that, you know. Even they love their friends. Loving our enemies, reaching out. Some could say that the Israelites had rational fear because rationally, you could say, you could say, they're facing a, uh, an inhabited land with some scary folks. But when you factor in God and his word and his promises and the evidence of his presence in their lives, then the fear becomes very irrational. And this is what we're giving up for Lent. 
is irrational fear. I believe that we can have a lot more restful lives. And I wish that for you and more of our people and especially in our society and culture that seems to lack rest. I wish that for you. For me, to experience that in new ways every day. The yoke of Jesus, we have to embrace. The Israelites had to embrace what God wanted to give them. It took a step of faith. It isn't merit. It's not earning merit. It's walking in faith with God. It's the relationship. It's the union. And it's a real relationship. It's not just about coming to a place and feeling good on Sunday morning. It's about living with God. And it is what God created you to do. That's what he made us for. When the Pharisees would not go and be baptized by Jesus, the word says they rejected God's purpose. I mean by John the Baptist, actually. He said they rejected God's purpose for their lives. That's sad. Don't do it. God made us to live in union with him and to enjoy that rest. But it is a life. It's not the succession of activity. It's union with God. It's walking with God. God is for us, as we heard from the children. God is for us. You have faith, obedience, rest. Faith, obedience, rest. For God is for us, not against us. But it's a relationship we enter into and we live it out day by day by walking in faith. I don't think... I mean, Caleb was remarkable, really, but... You know, it's not about superstars. It's about us. It's about all of us. God didn't come to save the superstars only. There's a few there. You know, Caleb is remarkable and we look up to him. But it's an inspiration. He was a human being just like us. And he said, you know, God told us he was going to give us this. Let's go for it. Let's go for it. What do you say? Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dana. Uh, so we are going to move into communion and a time of prayer. Um, so, and I love that Dana was sharing from Exodus, and, and communion is itself deeply connected to Exodus because it is a remix of the Passover, and it, commu it communicates to us and invites us into a Exodus life in which we are not 
under the spiritual power of Pharaoh, of oppression and of abuse and domination in that way, but that we walk in the way of love and grace of God. And so we practice open communion here. We have little cups if you want a more sanitary option. We also have gluten-free and alcohol-free communion options. Anyone who wants to come up and participate in that is welcome to, and it is a way of saying yes to the yes that Jesus says to us in his life and his death and his resurrection life. And so on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread. And he broke it, saying, this is my body given for you. And in the same way, after the meal, he took the cup and he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. And so we continue to do this and join in Jesus and in his way of being and his exodus life, liberated from the power of Pharaoh until he comes again in glory to judge the living and the dead. Please feel welcome to come up, commune, and pray.